The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. Yeah, you know, I was wondering when that was going to do that again. <laughs> and swap off to something that I'm not showing. Ah, I don't know why these machines do what they do. It's interesting. Anyway, two, pay, two videos at the top of SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. If you want to watch the video portion of the radio show that's right and see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Two videos there. The one on the left is Bradley's show from yesterday. So if you missed that, you'd like to catch it, you can do so up until 3 o'clock, at which time he'll be live in that area right there. On the right side of the page is where we're at. <clears throat> Excuse me. Click on the click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you've got. Look for the Rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner, and uh, click on that, and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. We've got a lot of friends over there, so good morning to you guys. Good to see you. And then while you're there, please um, subscribe to that channel, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. We appreciate your support there. And then also we're streaming live over on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page, and appreciate Michael and his team giving us a spot there. Uh, back to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Right up when we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Again, that goes out once a day, late afternoon, early evening. All the articles we have for the day, including the Morning Show Archive. This was for yesterday. Uh, you can see it on the site here. You guys are on the uh, video platforms. <clears throat> you can see that. That gets the video. And, and, and I tell you, Spotify, uh, <clears throat> I went over there from SoundCloud because things were so tight. It was only $150 for to keep the podcast there for cloud, but... Uh, Spotify had it for nothing, and it was going out on Spotify. And then because we were talking about vaccines, or excuse me, the death shots, the depop shots and, and things, uh, and the convids, they cut us off from going out to Spotify, and now they've cut us off from having even an embed code for each podcast. So I've just made a link, and it goes to the podcast. I was just sticking it up to our main channel. So if you go there, <clears throat> you can... Find that podcast there. If you don't want to watch the video, you just want to listen to the show, that's available. And it's available on Spotify. Uh, the link is in, it's right up under the video uh, that you'll see for the show. Okay, all right. So today, 
Actually, before we bring on our guests, let me make mention again. Our store is available right off the top of the page, sonsoflibertymedia.com. Uh, there's a link there. You can also get there by going to the Sons of Liberty, thesonsofliberty.squarespace.com. Uh, you can get there, and we are highlighting Bradley's books. Uh, All the Prophets were pointed the front. It's $10. Soldier of the Cross is $10. The Soldier of the Cross t-shirt that has the Soldier of the Cross artwork on the front, the quote from Peter Muhlenberg on the back, start at 20 And then the bundle, which has the book, the t-shirt of your size, and the dog tag of your color, black or silver, that starts at 34 That's in our store. Again, you can get there by going to the link off sonsoflibertymedia.com or the Sons of Liberty uh, at square, or excuse me, thesonsoflibertymedia.squarespace.com. All right, we've got a special guest. Actually, we have two this morning. And um, again, this is kind of the, um, I don't want to say entanglement, because that sounds bad. This is a good thing. Uh, This is the joining, uniting, I guess, of different people, uh, even from the trip I took to Michigan. And so uh, Mike Bambus has been of great help, Uh, enjoyed meeting him and hearing him on the radio beforehand uh, when he was on with Bradley and then getting to meet him and then learning some of the things that they're doing and uh, and he's come on the show twice to share some of this information with you guys because you guys are looking for solutions. You're wanting to see what do I do? What can I do? How can I affect, you know, how can I deal with the bad guys in my area and things like that? And one of the things that I think Mike has discovered, it was things that I I readily recognize, but I don't know the intricacies of it, but I am learning. And that is how to protect and insulate yourself so that it make it basically makes it worthless for the bad guys to come after you. Uh, I guess unless they're going to kill you, because they don't they have nothing to gain from you. The the money is the source of how they're doing things. So uh, he called me up the other week, and we we've presented the issue of trust in light of some other things uh, before in the previous shows. But today we're going to talk about trust. And before we get started. I, just let me let you know, I was looking at trust, gosh, back when our older kids were real little, you know, like, I don't know, six or seven and under. And I had a friend, he's been on the show before, Stephen Halford. Uh, we talked about uh, vaccines, the history of that, how it's really goes way back into paganism and stuff. It was a sign of your allegiance to that God of the society and things. But Stephen had uh, talked to me about a trust. And I said, oh, this sounds perfect because basically... You do own nothing. You give it all up. You know, Jesus said, you're forsaking everything. You're leaving it behind. Come and follow me. Well, we can do that, but we can still control things, the things that God has entrusted us as stewards. So it's a great way to do that. We don't own it. So if somebody comes after us, they can't come after the trust. And the trust is a protector of those things, especially for those men like, like us who want to protect our families, make sure our families are taken care of and things. We put it into a trust, and that is supposed to protect that. And if you're going after bad guys uh, like Mike and MR, then you want to be able to do that. So it's my privilege to welcome to the Sons of Liberty uh, Mike Bambus and Vaughn Simpson. Good morning, guys. Good to see you. Morning, Tim. How you doing? Morning. Doing great. Doing great. And it's good to have you guys on with us this morning. And uh, Mike, you wanted to talk about this. This is a this is a big deal, but for most people. When they get into the issue of trust, like I was with Stephen at the time, I think it was seven grand to get a trust at that time. That was many, many moons ago. And then a few years ago, people will know my friend David Pruitt, who was on with us about the prepping and gardening and all that kind of stuff. And uh, David learned to do his trust. And he says, Tim, these things are going for like $20,000 now. Why? What is 
I mean, that's a lot of value you're getting there. Why are people doing it? And why would somebody pay that much money to basically not own their stuff? <laughs> I mean, I guess I can hear people's minds turning here. Why would they do that? Um, I don't know. Um, to be honest with you, a trust, you know, every contract that you're in is a trust and every trust is a contract. Um, our founding documents to this country are a trust. We are the executors and the public functionaries are the trustees. We, the people are the also beneficiaries of, of, of the uh, founding documents. So when you break it down from there into, um, you know, your house, your car, and, and those types of things. Um, why you would hire an attorney to do this, I don't know. Anybody can write a trust. Uh, you just have to take the time and do some research on it. And so what I ended up doing is I modeled my uh, trust example after my uh, company structure. And in 1993, when I created the company and reorganized everything into what it is now, it was 100% against the advice of my attorney and CPA. They thought I was nuts. And so several years later, uh, right around 98, 99, the state of Michigan attempted to pierce the corporate veil and they lost. Okay. And my attorney for, people time, who do, for people who don't understand what you're saying about a corporate veil and piercing that, can you explain that and why that's a no-no for people to do? Sure. Um, there are different types of businesses. You have an S-Corp, LLCs, C-Corps. All of mine are C-Corps. We have board of directors. We have shareholders. And when the state of Michigan, what they were trying to do by piercing the veil of the corporation is to try and put liability onto I, the board members, and the stockholders and take away and strip away our protections and immunities under the corporate veil. And under a C-Corp, which is the strongest type of uh, uh, veil that you can create, um, they don't have the authority to do that. They cannot uh, hold a uh, board member liable for the actions of the corporation. And that's what they were trying to do. And they're trying to come after our personal assets in doing so. And again, they lost. And so, in 2019, um, I was involved in some other legal actions and uh, regarding some property disputes. And as such, the county of Livingston, um, because of how I challenged their authority, uh, the judge on the case decided that, well, we're going to penalize me personally and wanted me to pay for their attorney fees. Well, because of how I had everything structured, they could not. They tried three times to pierce the veils and come after me personally, and they couldn't do it. So we started talking about trusts and such in, in, in our Tuesday group. And uh, I decided, you know what, it's, it's, it's time that people understand how this system works. And so I used how I put the corporate structure together in building the trust. I've reviewed over 100 different trusts. I looked at the verbiage, the terminologies, and I also reviewed the Michigan Trust Code. Most states have some form of trust code. And here in Michigan, um, our communists in Lansing uh, have been playing games with the Michigan Trust Code to the point that they want full control 
personal jurisdiction over all assets and control <clears throat> over the the uh, trustees and beneficiaries of the trust. Yeah, that's the very definition so, of communism, isn't it? Yes. And so what we ended up doing was I said, okay, I got to put a stop to this. So I designed the trust I'm going to be talking about tonight to offset their actions so that they cannot pierce the veil of the trust. So that's that's the the the, the history behind it. That's how I, I came about putting everything together in the in the fashion that I did. Now a lot of people think, well, I've got a good buddy who's an attorney, and uh, he wouldn't you know he wouldn't do anything to hurt me. Well, I got news for you. If he's a bar card attorney, his first obligation is to the court. Yep. And you can find that under uh, uh, Corpus Juris Circundum, Volume Seven, Section Four. And it states right in there that the attorney, his first obligation is to the court. So when they write these trusts, your wills, uh, they're, they're, they're doing it in uh, favor of the courts so that you will have to go to probate. And here in Michigan, we've got some probate judges that are just off the reservation. And what they're doing is, is basically saying, okay, uh, you have a husband-wife situation. They have an elderly parent, and one of the uh, husband-wife is the medical uh, power of attorney, medical power of attorney for that uh, uh, elderly uh, uh, parent. And the judges are removing them, appointing a guardian through the court. And before you know it, that elderly parent has been moved to some nursing home, don't know where. They're given medications that you don't know that what they're giving them. And in the meantime, they're selling all the assets off to pay their attorney fees. And the judges are allowing this to happen. And that's just one minor example. Um, I've been involved with helping a lot of different people try and uh, save their, their homes and their assets because of these uh, probate courts and probate judges and these attorneys that operate through the probate uh, courts in, here in Michigan. And they're stealing and robbing everybody blind, taking all the assets and leaving everybody with nothing, and in some cases, actually killing uh, the elderly parents. So um, this is this is a serious situation, and uh, a lot of people got to be uh, brought to to understand that these attorneys are not your friend, never, and uh, you can't trust them. My dad had a trust. Uh, him and my mom put together a trust back when she was still around, and uh, after she passed. Uh, we sat down, reviewed it, and I said, Dad, do you understand that if something happens to you, the attorney becomes in charge of all your assets and everything that happens to you? And he's like, I didn't know that was in there. And so we shredded that thing up and rewrote a new one for him, and uh, that's what he's using now. So um, I have a template that I put out there for people to review, and uh, um. You know, you can tweak it every whatever way you want. It's a template. It's it's something that helps you get, uh, uh, you know, uh, a way of setting up your trust. I prefer to set up a parent trust with a bunch of subsidiary trusts underneath it. And um, that way you have multiple layers of protection. You don't want to put everything in just one trust. Um, I had one uh, gal uh, write to me and she wanted to know, well, if I have multiple cars, what's the, what's the difference and benefit of putting them in different trusts versus one trust? Well, if they're all in one trust and you're in a car accident, then all the assets of that trust are tangible. 
if you have cars in different trusts and you're in a car accident, it's only that one car, that one trust is tangible in the event you're injured or uh, do property damage. So it's a way of layering your protections. Okay. And yeah, thank you for explaining that because I was wondering the the reason for why uh, you have the different trusts and things. And by the way, uh, Mike was even talking about using your biometrics uh, your facial recognition, your fingerprints, all that kind of stuff, putting that in a trust as well. And I, I think people will find that one. Uh, the people who are looking to poke the bear, so to speak, stick it to the man, they'll find that one the real interesting one uh, because you get guys who want to arrest you, take your picture, put your fingerprints through and all, and uh, you let them know ahead of time what's kind of going on. Uh, and then you also have something that you gave me, which I thought was brilliant. And I and you tell me whether or not I can do this. I don't want to get way off, but I, I did want to ask you about this. You told me about, um, what was it, 28 U.S. Code 455 and disqualifi- disqualifying judges <clears throat> if they have a financial interest. And you, as the beneficiary and out of the office of the executor of that little trust account that the state provided in your all-caps name, that you can actually make them trustees, and by law, once they have a financial interest there, which they really have a financial interest just by being the judge there. They have a fiduciary responsibility that trust to do what's right there. The obvious question then is, um, when you make them that, you could do that over and over and virtually keep any kind of case, I would think, in suspension by keep putting the judges and prosecutors or whatever, making them trustees to the trust that's in your all caps name. Could you not do that? I mean, can you fight that way? I, and, or is that just sort of my playground mentality <laughs> thinking here about what can be done? Um, most definitely you can, you can play that, that go down that road and play that game. Um, here in Michigan, I've yet to find any judge who has a proper oath of office pursuant to article 11, section one of the Michigan constitution. And they're not in compliance with four USC 101, five USC 3331 or 28 USC 453 on regarding an oath of office. So what you have are administrators, not judges. And so um, when you get into these courts, the courts are banks and the case number is a, um, um, I want to say um, account number. Thank you. Account number. And so um, what they're doing is they're they're basically milking your CSQV uh, trust and with, through the, through a series of bonds. And so what you can do is you can. Um, probably one of the first things and we we've you know, Vaughn and I have, have been working on a lot of different stuff and. We, I believe, have a, uh, an arsenal of information that can pretty much shut down uh, most of these cases, especially the ones with uh, a victimless, what they call a victimless crime, uh, which are nothing more than a code and statute, which doesn't apply to us. Uh, it only applies to them. And you can't have a crime without a victim. There has to be someone who has been harmed, some property damage, something that that uh, uh validates uh, a wrongdoing and these victimless crimes um are unconstitutional they 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 should not exist and all this is is them transferring funds from from one to the other and one of the first things i've i've helped someone do is uh you know they got in there and you know they called the case up they called his name up first thing he did was object uh, under the doctrine of Edom Sonus, I am not that name. That all caps name is not I. Uh, 
the all caps name appears on the birth certificate and the name at the top of the birth certificate says state of Michigan. So therefore the state of Michigan must own that name. So there's ways there, there there's that way. Uh, you can challenge the, uh, uh, the judge in regards to filing an affidavit of appointment, making the judge, the court clerk and the prosecutor trustees in the matter. And under four, uh, 28 USC four, five, five, subpart four and five, if a judge is a trustee, to a party, he is automatically disqualified. So there's a series of the of the things that you can do. You can also uh, hit them with a coronal, demanding their delegation of authority. Uh, you want the notice that they uh, uh, file with the Secretary of Treasury, making this a taxable event. Because if they don't, then they're doing tax evasion. And uh, uh, where's the power of attorney? I mean, they open up an account through your name, where's the power of attorney? Who who opened that account? Was it the judge, the court clerk? Was it the prosecutor? Somebody's committing identity theft. So there's a series of different things that you can do and a series of things that you can uh, uh, counter their claims of victimless crimes with. I miss anything, Vaughn? Well, you kind of almost have to go back to the basics, <clears throat> jumping around from talking about trust and then getting into... Um, how to disqualify and whatnot, it's a lot to comprehend. Um, I would say probably more so stick on the, the the trust side of things, what they're for, what people use them for, because uh, it is complex. It's it, it gets pretty, very complex until you break down the basics. Um, <clears throat> for instance, underneath the United States Styles Manual, which is how you write, uh, they have a book. It's in all the United States Styles Manual. But out of all of that, it's it specifically says in there that words specifically denoting Satan, or I'm sorry, words specifically denoting Satan, are all capitalized. Um, as capitalized words are not nouns, are not person, place, or thing. It's a fiction. It's a construct. It's a makeup. And what it is is they marry that name to you. Uh, and by doing so, that name, your name in all capital letters, which is on all of your stuff, uh, bank cards, insurance cards, 98% of your mail, it's a trust that the state created that's tucked in underneath the PCT, which is the Public Charitable Trust. And by them doing that, it's a way, what does the Bible say, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy? Well, it's a way that they get you to gift everything that you um uh everything that you make as far as money wise everything that you buy um like your car your house if you go home and read your uh your your deed to your house it'll call you a renter or tenant if you're underneath a warranty deed if you're under a land patent well then you actually own your 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 property outright um but what it is is your gift and stuff to them it's kind of like your income tax if you read the 7000 page tax code book the income tax is a gift tax. It's paid on to Britain. So the United States Corporation itself doesn't even see that. All the income tax goes straight to Britain. Um, and it's gifting. It's kind of like with the, um, oh gosh, which USC is that? It's 26 USC 2501 through 2503. Even your um, money that you're paying in for your tickets is a gift. You're gifting it to the state. And because of the fact that you're gifting the, the, I should say, county, 
um, a large sum of money that you don't see because it's coming out of your all caps trust account. The fee that you pay is the gift tax fee, and that's what they're coming after you for. Um, so it's it's about wrapping it down to the basics. The the trust, you know, you can protect all of your assets, and that's the best way to go. You can place your house into a trust, uh, your cars, um, and you can actually shoot for an elodial title versus a certificate of title. There, there's a lot of different mechanics to this, but there's also a way that you can set up a charitable trust. Um, and a lot of people find this as far as business-wise, um, personal-wise. If you're a W-2, you can actually um, claim zero or um, I shouldn't say claim zero. You can actually go back to your employer and tell them not to take any money out for taxes that you'll handle that. You can create the charitable trust and then donate your check every single week to that charitable trust and now because you're donating everything it takes your income tax liability and reduces that to almost nothing to where you're paying it in taxes if you're a 1099 uh, you can actually zero that out completely and there's ways to do that um uh, i'm part of a uh, a company that works with people and doing so and with also saving businesses it's kind of like using um Geez, out the tax haven for businesses is to open up an LLC in Delaware, which Delaware is a um, a state. Every state's got its own little niche, its own hidden little thing. If you look up all your credit card companies, um, a lot of your different businesses, they're all Delaware Corps. And the reason being is if you open up an LLC, you can get a holding company there that'll hold your mailing address and forward it to you. Um, but if you're working outside of the state of Delaware, then that LLC isn't responsible for having to pay income tax. So there's a lot of different taxable events that you can actually safe haven yourself away from using a trust. It is a protection, uh, but there's so many intricate parts to that. And you're already using a trust. You're just unaware of it. You're using the state's trust. They create it. They control it. Um and that's what the the judges and all of them. That's what they're they're breaking into. You know, if you go and just look up a court document AO dash four thirty on any of your cases, and you can look it up online. It'll call the court the debtor, and the defendant the creditor because we are the creditors and we're the source credit, and it's our sweat equity that they're after and they do a they're, they're trading on futures. They're not trading on the here and now. They're saying, okay, well. You know, John Doe over here is going to make so many hundreds of, you know, he's going to pay so much in, in taxes over his lifetime because he went to college and now he's a doctor. So it puts him in a different class and they have the bean counters that set the stuff up. But that's they go through and trade on your futures and what you're actually going to pay in and what you're going to make. And it's 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 a crazy system, but it is. It's a beast system. Yeah. It's a satanic system. Vaughn, let me ask you a question. For people out there, okay, so you're telling them this kind of stuff. The obvious question that some people are going to have is, okay, you guys are fighting things in the court system. Um, and so obviously you want that protection. But, the, but what you're communicating to people is even if you're not fighting anything, it's best to go ahead and protect yourself, get these things in, in play, uh, and learn how they work and learn how what your role is in that in order that if the, the bad guys do come after you for, for anything, you've sort of got that as it's, it's protected. And if they start messing with it, now all of a sudden they become the criminal 
And you can hold them to the standard of what the laws are governing the trust. Am I missing something there? Is that the gist of what we're going at? Well, you're very correct, but it's okay. it's on the um. Okay, and Mike was talking about it. You know, a trust can be used to protect everything. Uh, I don't own anything. I control everything. Um, I do work. I do own a business. The money that I make, I go through and donate that to my charitable trust. My charitable trust handles bills, all kinds of other things. I don't use the all caps name anymore. So now my tax liability is zero other than going through and buying stuff. Now, everything that I have, whether it be cars, um, whether it be possessions, uh, you can create the the gun trust and put each one individually in a separate trust. So now, because my son is a beneficiary, he's part of the trust, and say that I have a suppressor that's within the trust, well, now because he's a beneficiary of the trust and he's on that document, he can come over without having to get a tax stamp borrow or i shouldn't say borrow because he has all rights to come over to the house to grab one and go use it um now god forbid something happened and he causes damage or whatnot the only thing that people could actually litigate for in the courts is what's ever in that one trust because everything's separate so if i don't own anything nobody can come after me for anything I also have a dog. A dog is considered property. And because of that, I've put my dog within a trust. God forbid he goes out and eats somebody's chicken. And now they're coming after me for thousands of dollars. Well, they can only go after what's in that trust. They can go after the dog, but they can't go after anything else because I don't own anything. So that means I have nothing to give. Now, in case people in case people don't understand, this is how all those they like to call themselves the elite. This is how they work things too, right? So they don't have any of these tax liabilities. They're virtual. They pretty much put a Teflon coating on the outside of them for things that they're not actually doing to people. This is how they so roll back, with it, right? Yes. So back back here in Michigan, and it's been a long time ago. I'd say probably probably thirty years ago. That one of our governors he went through and got in a car accident. He was drinking and driving. Um, and, you know, he lives in a great big, huge house. He's got all kinds of stuff. By the time everything was said and done, his total liability to the court after they was trying to sue him, the insurance company paid out, but they was only able to grab $6,000 from him. And I'm like, well, he's got this house. They can't take anything else. How? Why? How is this possible? And it wasn't until probably about 10 years after that. This was back when I was early 20. Yeah, I was about 20. Um, but I, I couldn't wrap my head around to how is it that these people are, are fighting in court for years? And the only thing you ever had to pay out was $6,000. How does that work? Well, it's because he owned nothing. So he created the problem. And then Bible, you know, it tells us that if. If we injure somebody, then it's our job to make them whole. That's lawful. That's right. That's, That's living right. lawfully. Yep. So, you know, so I'm not telling somebody to go out and do this to um, protect yourself, to, you know, become a criminal mastermind and save everything that you got and go out and injure people. This can be used as a double-edged sword. You know, it can be used for people that are great, but it's also usually primarily used for those that are evil. And any trust, because it's a fiction, it's 
in all capital names. So you're dealing with, you know, the, the, the satanic side of things. God said in the, in the book of James that he's a respecter of men, but not persons. Well, the, the, the legal definition for person is a corporation. So God is against corporations because people hide behind them. But a trust is how we go through, pass things down, protect our things as long as we're living godly. Amen. Um, Vaughn, we got a question about that because um, in the in the chat, somebody asked, um, do you guys recommend ever doing a will or only the trust? And my understanding is your trust, once you establish it, if you've got the benefit, if you've got beneficiaries in there or trustees in there, uh, like your kids, your wife, or or in, if the woman sets up a husband, whatever the case may be, that that they automatically can take control of that if you die. It, but I may be wrong in that. Do you, do you guys recommend a will to go along with the trust as well? So you you can write up a will and then you can put it on the record. I okay. wouldn't take it into the court. I would just do a uh, recording for underneath miscellaneous land recordings. Uh, and record the will, but when you're in, basically your will's going to point towards the trust. So God forbid something happened to me, because I don't own anything, nothing goes through probate. That means that because the trust owns it, then the beneficiaries that I have named within the trust, it moves to them. Um, and I have it within my will as to, God forbid something happened to me, that who the successor or who actually assumes the the title of executor to keep the trust moving. Okay. All right. Now we got a follow-up to that. Somebody else asked, if you're employed, can you put your company-sponsored 401k into a trust? Uh, yes, there's ways of doing that. Um, sometimes a little bit of that gets perplexed. Now, I do have a website that people can go to um, that has this. Now, Mike, he has his um, trust that he helps everybody else with. Um, and a lot of the stuff that we do, we donate our time free um, in a lot of the, the different templates that we have. Um, but usually when you're starting to get more on the, uh, I should say, donating to the trust like creating a charitable trust and filing the proper paperwork is if you're putting your company within it, your LLC within it, um, there's tax forms and stuff that you have to fill out. So I am part of Team All Trust, which is teamalltrust.org, and you can go to forward slash bond, V-O-N. Uh, and I do one-on-one -on -one with people in there. That one is because of the work that's put in behind it. It's a non-statutory trust. Uh, it's bulletproof. It's been proven to work time and time again. Uh, and the writers that's within there that actually write the trust up, there is a learning program within that site that teaches you the pros and cons and the kind of like A through Z on how to navigate and work and be able to use your trust effectively and efficiently. Okay. All right. Thank you. Guys, if you have a question, if you're listening on the radio and you got a question for um, for Mike or Vaughn here, you can call in 803-619-9855. 803-619-9855. We've got about uh, roughly 20 minutes here left. If you've got a question you want to ask, feel free to call in. We'll take your call. Please stick to the subject, though. Okay. All right, guys. Here's the next thing. 
once you've got these things established, and by the way, I dropped a link in here. You guys listen on the radio. If you go to the archive today for the show, one of the things that you're going to find is you're going to find a link to the previous show we did with Mike, the first one we did with Mike. And Mike gave all kinds of documents, and he gave you a little strategy for how you begin to set this up. Uh, also, if you're interested in the American national and all that kind of stuff and how our nationals instead of a U.S. citizen, that kind of information is there along with some other things. Please, I implore you, take your time. Don't get in a rush. Don't get excited and say, I just filled out this paperwork, so this makes me good. You need to know what you're doing, so take your time with it uh, because if you mess something up, you can really mess something up, like really bad. And I'm sure these guys would, would echo me in that. Take your time. Know what you're doing before you do it. Understand the intricacies of that. And then go ahead. But this is for educational purposes, to educate you, to let you know that this is going on. This is a source uh, that you can use for your benefit here and for the benefit of your family. But you need, you're going to be the one responsible for it. So make sure you understand the things before you go ahead. And I'm sure Mike and Vine, you guys would uh, admonish people to do the same thing, right? Oh, absolutely. you got to educate yourself on the terminology. Yep. Uh, you know, the protocols, uh, understanding how all this, how the system works and how to put this all together. I mean, the last thing you want to do is rush through it and find out on the back end that, oh man, I'm not really protected. I'm not, I didn't do this right. I didn't file something correctly. And then you've got a bigger mess and a bigger problem than what you had to begin with. So definitely take your time, under, you know, take the time to read, educate yourself, understand the language and ask questions. I mean, that's that's the best way to, to learn is to ask questions. Amen. Well, you know what, Mike, when you say that, I think of, and some people will say, well, I don't want to sound stupid and this, that, and the other, but go look at the Lord Jesus. When he's 12 years old, what does his family find him doing? He's sitting there asking questions of the doctors, the teachers of the day, of the law. Isn't that what he's doing? I mean, he's basically doing at 12 years old what you did as a as a man, right? I mean, he's having to go through and ask these questions. I think that's why he's so sharp. When he when they go to tempt him and to catch him in something, he already knows their arguments. He knows how they're doing things, and he puts it. He knows the law of God, so he puts it back on them. And I think that's in essence what you guys are doing. You're you're using how they understand things, and you're you're pushing them into that and what's written, so that you can use it for your benefit against the bad guys. And I think other people uh, can easily learn how to do that if they just take the time to do it. Absolutely. Well, one of the biggest steps is knowing the difference between legal and lawful. So for me to live lawfully means I cannot live legally. The two are actually mirrored images. Um, and for an example, God says thou shalt not kill. So that means that by God's law, I can't kill. So lawfully, by a higher standard, I can't kill or else I have to answer to God. However, man comes in and says, okay, well, Legally, you can kill. You can get a license to kill. You can join the military, one of the alphabet groups. If you was a doctor, you can give abortions. If you was a female, you could have abortions. So the legal system is a bastardization of God's laws to where man says, oh, you can do this. It's yep. okay because we say so. Yep, absolutely. So when Christ was sitting down listening to all these Sadducees and Pharisees, and he was coming to the uh overstanding of what their system was about how they were negating through it and how it was that they were trying to suppress all of man by it that way he knew how to talk in between 
what that is that's lawful and what that is that's legal. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Okay, we got another question. Um, Corporate Transparency Act. I guess this is something new. Uh, they want to know, is it, how is a trust affected in that Corporate Transparency Act? I don't even know if you guys are familiar with that. Do, do one of you guys want to tr- uh, attack that? I'm not familiar with that act. Okay. All right, fair enough. I asked the question. I told him I'd ask. Vondi, what did you guys so, something to say? So there, there's a couple things, mechanics in this too. The Corporate Transparency Act, what do you mean act? Well, they're government actors because we have no more government. They're all corporations, and we have to uh, we have to really wrap our minds around that. Uh, you know, like the Act of 1871, it's a skit. It's all they are is playing this role. It's a, it's a showcase. Just like back in the day in court, they would wear wigs. Um, everything is an act, but the Corporate Transparency Act, if you're setting the trust up correctly with a corporation and LLC and so forth, as long as there there are, excuse me, forms that through Team All Trust, we actually communicate with the IRS to make sure that it is whichever business that you're putting with into a trust, uh, there's transparency between that business and the the IRS to make sure everything is solid and you don't get any backlash from the IRS. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. So what else do people need to know about the trust, why it's important to them, and any other benefits besides just the protection of the assets? Again, I see the benefit there. Uh, some people say, well, aren't you pushing the Klaus Schwab? You'll own nothing. Well, look, you're going to leave everything behind anyway, right? We already believe that. Ain't nobody taking anything in the casket with them to heaven or or to hell in some cases. Um, it, n- nobody's taking anything with them. You're going to leave it here. So you're a steward of everything that you have. We understand ownership because that's going to fall in line with the command not to steal. Uh, but nevertheless do this they're still in control of the very assets that they had before it just doesn't have their name on it and who cares as long as you can still use it and do the things you can use so what are some of the benefits that people would have when they set up these trusts besides just the protection there is there something else that they benefit from when besides the protections i mean can they use it in other ways that benefit them well in protecting the assets the other is to actually get around legally and lawfully um, from paying an income tax. You can gift your check to the your, your charitable uh, your charitable trust and the charitable trust because it's received a donation it doesn't have to pay taxes on it and you can move everything through that name instead of your all caps name. So your protection um, if something happens to you, then the court, a will can go through probate. A statutory trust can go through probate, and they're going to soak as much of that. You'd be lucky if you get anything at the at, at the backside of it. So with having a trust, that means everything that I'm in control of, my son, my, my, my heirs become in control of. And then it gets passed down that way. Same thing with properties, with, you know, possessions. All of that gets passed through, and it doesn't go through the judge's hands. So that means they can't get their fat little greedy fingers in there and start taking what they can. Because I know time and time again, and I've seen it. Uh, we have people that we meet with um, 
and, and talk to that they have been robbed of everything um, through a statutory trust or through a will and how the, the courts just go through and siphon everything out of it and they're left with nothing and don't know where to go. Interesting. Whenever you step into the court realm, um, which it is a pagan satanic ritual, it's a mockery unto God, um, every single one of them is, but their job is to kill, steal, and destroy. That's that's the enemy's job, and they've actually come as the enemy. Now, God says to love our enemy because it's not against the flesh and blood that we fight against. It's the princes and principalities and of, of dark and the governors of darkness. So it's yeah, it's it's a crazy world within the court system. And that's one place where you want to stay out of. So to stay out of that by putting everything within a trust, it keeps you out of that court system and it keeps you going day to day. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to ask a question here. It's going to sound funny to people, but we're talking about protections, uh, you know, and I've had interviewed so many people. My friend Jim White has interviewed so many people where CPS has come into their home. They've taken their children and all these kinds of things. Now, Mike has mentioned biometrics, and I know from a biblical standpoint, some people aren't going to like this, but this is the fact of the matter, is that, you know, for a man, the wives and the children are considered, quote-unquote, his property. I mean, we used to even have that understood early on in early America here. Would you guys recommend even putting your family, I mean, if you're going to put your biometrics in there, would you put your family in the will as well? Or is that a little too, I'm just thinking of them trying to come and take your children and stuff. If they're, if they're considered in a trust or is there something different there? Well, with kids. Okay. I shouldn't say kids because a kid's a a baby. That's right. It's a sacrifice. Right. With your offspring, um, or your seeds, the, um, going through and putting their biometrics within a trust is one solid point. The other one, which you'd want to do, and I'm not giving legal advice here, um, is you would want to do a rescission of signature from the affidavit of parentage, which is underneath the parents patriae, which is old Roman law, um, because it's through that affidavit of parentage. A parent is a pair that pays rent for their child because they gifted the child to the state. They registered the child. The word registered comes from the word regis, which means kingly, which means to turn over to the king. So what you would do is rescission of signature. And ask for forgiveness, because God says that we can always ask for forgiveness and just say, listen, it has come to my attention that by going through and signing this affidavit of parentage that I gifted my children away. And I did not intend to do that. So it kind of voids the contract because of, uh, you know, there wasn't a meeting of the minds that the eight elements of a contract, you know, full disclosure, they're not there. Yeah, so you're just confessing your ignorance. Are you just confessing your ignorance and saying, I don't want this anymore? Is that what really that amounts to? Right. And because of the eight elements of a contract, since it doesn't make that um, and it voids the contract, you can do a rescission of signature on that document. Um, therefore, it's kind of getting you out of that because it, it falls underneath. It's kind of like the pharmaceutical companies. You know, you can't sue them for taking their stuff. However, you can go after them underneath false and misleading statements that actually brought you to that point. So because of the false misleading statements that, you know, the wife being the informant, because it's Babylonian, so they put her as the um, as the sole um, mother provider, so forth. The father is only considered a financial provider. So every child in America is considered to be a bastard child, which puts the pope 
in charge of everybody here in America because we were all considered bastard children underneath their Babylonian flipped of the script. Okay, the okay. The head of the household. So, yeah, so let's ask that question here because I was waiting for when that came on because in in my studies of this, ultimately it does go back. There There is a tie to the Vatican, if I'm not mistaken. Also, the IRS is tied there with the Vatican. And could you just elaborate on that, of why you even brought that in and why people should understand that in this matter uh, concerning our lawless money system and how and how it's really it's really driving everything that's lawless from the lawless wars we're engaged into to the attacks on people who are innocent in this country, like the January 6th people and stuff like that. All of that's being funded by the lawless money. Can you tell people why you brought the Pope into the midst of the, all of this? <laughs> so... <laughs> There's three popes. There's the white pope, the black pope, and the gray pope. Um, and the gray pope is the Orsini family, which is one of the 13 uh, families that are the elite that actually rule the world right now. Um, the Vatican itself, where did Rome go? So here's here's the best question to ask. Where did Rome go? Just all of a sudden, it just ceased to exist. Uh, Rome actually moved into the Vatican. And they started ruling under the Vatican. So all these codes and statutes over here, which underneath Rodriguez versus Ray Donovan Supreme Court, uh, 1985 stipulates that codes and statutes are ambiguous in definition. They look like law, sound like law, but they're not law. Therefore, they lack due process. Well, we're supposed to have a right to due process. So by any of these uh, policy enforcers, police officers, enforcing these codes and statutes on people is a violation of their due process. Um. But anyways, the codes and statutes are all copywritten, and the Vatican holds the copyright. So that bar license card is only a membership card, kind of like Microsoft. You know, you got to buy the license in order to be able to use their product. So these attorneys have this license that allows them to use the copywritten codes and statutes. So the Vatican actually, the Pope can come over here to the United States because it is the the whole United States of America territory is underneath the Virginia Company, which is held over in London, England. Um, but the Pope can come over here and abolish any law that he wants or change any law that he wants. He has that much authority. But it's Rome never went anywhere. They just, other than moving and hiding underneath the the corporate veil of the the Vatican. Right, right. I'm glad you brought that up, though. I think it is important that people kind of understand who's kind of controlling some of these things and why it's important. And we, we do see it, Vaughn. I've, I've made mention of this before. We've done some shows where we've talked about, you know, the vast majority of people in the Supreme Court are Roman Catholics, which means their allegiance is not first and foremost to the United States of America, but it's to this foreign king, this foreign potentate, uh, you know, the pope. Uh, we see that with governors. We see that with congressmen. I mean, they're we're loaded with people with their allegiance to a foreign power. That sounds problematic right off the top. But we got about three and a half minutes here, and I'm going to give you each of you guys a final word of exhortation. Um, Vaughn, if you want to go first, and then Mike, if you'll if you'll follow after him. What about the trust? Would you say is most important, and why people have to do it? And you've got about three minutes, so you can I can divvy up. If we have to go over a little bit, we can do that as well. But go ahead, Vaughn, you pick it up there. Basically, it protects everything that I've done throughout my life, and it's passed down to my heir. My heirs of that trust can benefit from it without the state taking it. Uh, it also protects me. If I don't have anything, who's going to want to come after me if they can't get anything out of me? So it protects you in multiple ways. 
Okay. Mike, final word? Um, that pretty much sums it up right there. It's, it's, it's a way <laughs> of protecting yourself, your, your assets, your heirs. Um, you can set the trust to be uh, perpetual so that um, the veil of the trust continues beyond you. Uh, there is a way of doing it that way. It's the way I've set it up so that uh, my beneficiaries can now assume the role of uh, executor and they name their own trustees and, and new beneficiaries so that the veil of the trust perpetuates beyond uh, I who, who created it uh, if they so desire to do so. Um, I, I've tucked my uh, uh, companies up under the uh, veil of the trust as well so that the stockholders are the beneficiaries um being that it's a c corp it automatically lives beyond me unless the shareholders wish to uh dissolve the company so it perpetuates beyond and there's ways of making it so that it does perpetuate beyond you um depending on how you set it up and uh that's how a lot of these elites you know do what they do and how they're they uh mass these you know large quantities of, of assets uh through you know perpetuating the 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 trust and and the uh the heirs down down through so um yeah this it's all about protections about protecting yourself and uh, making sure that uh the uh the government the probate courts can't rob you blind and not only just rob you blind but do you harm and your family harm uh through through uh, uh not just you know taking of the assets but putting your uh, parents in a nursing home and basically offing them through uh, medical procedures or whatnot. And because I've, I've seen it done, I, I, you know, one, one of our associates uh, that happened to his mother. And so, you know, I've seen it firsthand. Um, it does happen. And there's no oversight on these probate courts. Nobody's doing anything to, to, to shut them down from doing this. So we have to do it. Uh, they have to learn that you know, we the people are the supreme authority under the Constitution that all public servants are the employees. They work for us. And as somehow the roles have been inverted and it's up to us to uh, no longer give them consent to do these things. Amen. And uh, if they're going to act as usurpers, uh, we have to call them out as that. Uh, Norton v. Shelby County, 1887, is an extremely uh, stare decisive case that shuts down these uh, public functionaries from usurping their authority. And we've got to start in enforcing it. Amen. Along with a few other things. So, Amen. Mike Bambus, Von Simpson, thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate you so much. Hang on, and I'll say goodbye to you off air. Guys, Bradley will be with you at 3. All this information will be linked along with all the documents that Mike gave from the previous show. And then, Lord willing, we're going to see you back here in the morning, 6 a.m., bright and early. Talk to you then. See you.